This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. It's called Because I Said So, because it's a traditional take on what is today called parenting I'm your host, John Rosemond. I'm a heretic, renegade, outlier psychologist. You can find out more about me and my parenting ministry at johnrosemond.com. I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column that may or may not appear in your local newspaper. If it does not, you can always access it online at johnrosemond.com. It's posted the day that it's released to newspapers around the country. I also have written about 20 parenting books, most of which are bestsellers, but a bestseller in the field of parenting doesn't begin to compare with a, say, Tom Clancy or Stephen King bestseller. Bestseller in the parenting field might be 50,000, 100,000, Tom Clancy, several million. I uh, go around the country crisscrossing the country on a yearly basis, spending many, many nights in Marriott hotels through the year as a public speaker, primarily in churches and Christian schools. And if you would like to inquire about booking me for your church, school, or organization, whatever it may be, and by the way, I am an evangelical Christian, a fully fledged member, baptized member of a Southern Baptist church in New Bern, North Carolina, Tabernacle Baptist Church, pastored by Dr. Scott Gleason. I do not limit my ministry to churches or Christian schools or Christian environments. I also speak in secular environments. This is a ministry to parents. It is not a ministry to strictly Christian parents. So if you are interested in inquiring about having me speak at your church, school, for your organization, whatever. You can go to my website, again, John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com, and it should have a link on there saying something like, Book John, and click there, and you fill out this form, and you submit it, and there's no obligation, but I personally will get in touch with you. I will call you back if you give me your phone number. And a lot of people are just blown away by that. Oh, it's really you. And I go, yes, it's it's really me. Um, Well, I expected a call from one of your associates. Well, I I just like the the personal touch. I'm a a very, um, I don't mean this literally, but hands-on sort of guy. So, uh, If you'd like a phone call from me, just fill out that book John form and I'll call you back and we'll talk about uh, what needs to happen in order for uh, me to come to your organization and speak. And by the way, I don't have a fee. I don't have a set fee, that is. I do support myself and my wife this way. We pay the bills this way. But um, this is a ministry and so I do my best to work with any church organization that wants me as a speaker 
to make that happen at a fee that they are able to afford. So, you know, I said at the beginning of the show that I'm an outlier renegade psychologist. I don't believe in psychology. I think psychology has done great harm to the American family, the American school. I believe psychologists are, whether they realize it or not, and many of them are are not in a state of realization about this. They are uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. And, you know, here's an example of this. I, I was scanning online sources of parenting advice, and I ran across a question asked by a mother of a teenage girl. She's in the eighth grade, so I guess that would put her at 13, 14 maybe. This mother asked a female marriage and family therapist at one of these online parenting advice forums how to handle her daughter's announcement. Now, again, eighth grade, 13, 14, that she and her ninth grade boyfriend have decided to, quote, prove their love, end quote, by having sex. And the mother says, quote, I don't think she's ready to have sex with this boy. That was, quote, word for word. I don't think she's ready to have sex with this boy. Did you get that? Mom is not really sure whether her 13, 14-year-old daughter is ready for sex or not. That's at least 50% of the problem. And believe me, this mother is not alone in her confusion. Many of today's parents faced with the same problem aren't sure they have a right to be unequivocal with their kids as in over my dead body. And the therapist isn't quite sure either. She tells the mom not to tell her daughter she can't see the boy because the girl might become sneaky. Instead, the mother should acknowledge her daughter's trust. Do you hear the violins playing in the background, folks? I can't turn them up any louder. Validate her desire to make her boyfriend happy. Discuss the emotional ramifications of having sex. Talk about how she will feel if after she has sex with the boy, he dumps her. And tell her about the hormone oxytocin. It supposedly causes girls to emotionally bond with any oxytocin absent boy they have sex with. Oh, and the mother should also invite the do- the boy <laughs> the, b- the boy for dinner so that mom can keep tabs on the relationship. Can you believe this? Uh, oh, and mom is also advised to tell dear daughter that if she begins making bad decisions, mom will have to get more involved. The exact nature of said involvement, however, is left to one's imagination. I'm reasonably certain in that regard that it does not involve the word no. Mom is told to appreciate how much peer pressure her daughter is under, to give the child understanding and support, and to tell her that if the boyfriend really loves her, he will respect her refusal and be willing to wait. Until she's, what, 13 and a half. This female therapist is obviously out of her league. 
First, if the boy truly loved this girl, he wouldn't be pressuring her into having sex in the first place. And if he is pressuring her to have sex, he is not going to respect her refusal. That's not how it works when boys are 14 or 15 years old. That's not how it works for some 40-year-old boys, in fact. This child is in dire straits. I suspect she has come to her mother, hoping mom would put her foot down and say exactly what the therapist has told her not to say. Absolutely not, period. Followed by, and furthermore, because I am ultimately responsible for your welfare, I'm not going to allow you to put yourself in danger with that boy again. Your relationship with him is hereby over. Then and only then, mom should explain to her daughter the reasons behind the decision. And by the way, said therapist thinks that approach is harsh. I think it's responsible authoritative in everything parents should be, especially where a child's health and overall welfare are concerned. But, folks, this is psychology. The wishy-washy approach is exactly what the child does not need. She is asking for her mother to stand up for her principles, to take away from her the responsibility of dealing with this boy's desire. Mom needs to be unequivocal concerning her values. Said therapist never talked about values, by the way, which is very politically correct of her. And equally unequivocal concerning her position on the issue. I will now model being unequivocal. Parents, it is all right to tell a child no, even a child of 14. By the way, the age of sexual consent in every single state in the United States of America is between 16 and 18. That's 16th birthday and 18. I believe it's on three states allow children to consent to sex at age 16, which I think is insane. Mom should point out that fact and assure her daughter that she, the mother, is not shy about pressing charges against the boy should the daughter consent to have sex with him because she's not old enough to responsibly consent. Therefore, the boy, given said, quote, consent, end quote, would be engaging in what is known as statutory rape. When the girl tells him that, and she will, I assure you the boy will suddenly vanish. Lastly, dad is not mentioned by either mom or the therapist. Maybe he's not in the picture. But if he is, he needs to sit down with his daughter and he needs to tell her how much he loves her and how important it will be to him that he walk a virgin to the altar, not to mention how important it will be to her husband. This is why I don't believe in psychology. This is why I maintain that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, parent, marriage, family, mother, father, teacher, school, neighbor, culture, community, than psychologists even know how to solve. I believe psychology is a dangerous enterprise. I do not believe It qualifies to be a restricted profession. I believe in Christian counseling, 
biblically based, I do not believe in Christian psychology. Those people are being disingenuous. There ain't no such thing as Christian psychology. You either have the Bible, God's Word, or you have psychology. And let me remind you, the Bible is sufficient for reproof, correction, and instruction. That is all we Christians need in our lives. We don't need Dr. Freud telling us how to live a good Christian life. I'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the show, folks. If you're just joining us, I'm the host, John Rosemond, and the show is called Because I Said So. It's called Because I Said So, because those four words, better than any other four words, reflect a traditional, biblically-based attitude toward child-rearing, which I espouse. And some people would say, well, how is it biblically-based? And uh, I would say that... In at least two places, Paul says to children, obey your parents, for this is pleasing to the Lord. He does not say, obey your parents if they give you a good reason. Obey your parents if they explain themselves adequately. He simply says, it is pleasing to the Lord for a child to obey the legitimate authority of his or her parents, and therefore... The words, because I said so, in response to a child's challenge to authority in the form of why or why not, uh, is perfectly legitimate, perfectly legitimate. And in one minute and 10 seconds, I have proven to you, my listening audience, why I am, generally speaking, persona non grata in professional psychological services, and believe me, I would have it no other way. I'm currently uh, writing, scripting, I guess is the proper word, a uh, 10-part video series that will be, well, I'm not going to tell you the title, but it's going to be actually an 11-part video series that will be up on my website hopefully by Thanksgiving of this year, um, my website, johnroseman.com, and just check in with the, uh, with the website occasionally if you're interested. It'll be basically an online parenting course, something I've given a great deal of thought to over the, the past uh, four or five years, and I'm finally on the brink of completing the scripts and uh, recording it and creating a website that will be linked to johnroseman.com that will uh, will host this video series. And the video series has to do with mistakes parents make because it it is my contention that most parents and I'm talking about you know people who are responsible to begin with who love their children who are responsible people who want to do a good job, uh, but are having a great deal of frustration and their children are giving them a lot of grief, that in most cases, and I would say 90% of the time, the problem is not what these parents are doing as much as what they need to stop doing. In other words, they don't need to do something 
in addition to what they are already doing, that's probably a better way of saying it, they don't need to do something in addition to what they're already doing. They need to simply stop doing certain things. And uh, so with that in mind, a journalist recently asked me, what is the biggest mistake that parents make? I had to think about that. Which parents, I asked myself. Uh, The biggest mistake made by some parents is they pay entirely too much attention to and do entirely too much for their children. These children usually, but not always, end up as what used to be called spoiled brats. I guess that's a politically incorrect term these days because one rarely hears it. Anyway, these children usually, but but not always, end up as spoiled brats. Why not always, you might ask? Because some children, by mysterious means, manage to do well in spite of less than optimal parenting. The notion that the adult is produced by the manner in which said person is raised is belied by the many exceptions including children who do well despite bad upbringings and children who do badly in spite of good upbringings, both of which are a testament to something that uh, is the cause of controversy in the Christian community. I don't understand why, but the, the term is free will. Because of free will, some children, and God's grace, yes, granted, Some children do well despite a bad upbringing, and some children do badly in spite of a good upbringing. On the other hand, some parents' biggest mistake is they pay entirely too little attention to their kids. The folks in question are not generally found listening to radio programs that deal with subject of parenting, so I will not belabor their misdeeds. It would only serve the purpose of giving my listeners reason to celebrate themselves, which is an untoward thing to do under any circumstances. The biggest mistake made by still other parents is they think that the misbehavior of a toddler is cute, or they rationalize their failure to discipline at that critical stage, called the terrible twos, by saying such things as, oh, he's only 20 months old, or it's just a stage he's going through, he'll grow out of it. Parents of the pre-psychological era understood the need to nip misbehavior in the proverbial bud when it first reared its ugly little head. Today's parents lull themselves into dangerous inaction with such fluffy, largely meaningless homilies as don't sweat the small stuff, when in fact all of the big stuff begins as small stuff, folks. Be not deceived. Without early correction, tantrums grow into rages, disobedience grows into defiance, occasional disrespect grows into belligerence and not picking up one's toys, grows into refusal to do one's homework. But the biggest mistake made by lots of parents is they combine wordy explanations with instructions. I'll give an example. 
Honey, a friend of mine is coming over, and I'd like to serve coffee in this room, so I need you to pick up these toys and move them somewhere else, okay? Will you do that for Mommy and help Mommy out? Okay? Explanations invite pushback, folks, as in, using that as an example, I was here first. Why can't you and your friend use the kitchen? You won't let me eat in this room. You should have to follow the same rules. No, I'm not moving. These parents tell me their children are argumentative, which simply means that they, the parents, combine explanations with instructions. Under those conditions, all children, being clever, will seize the opportunity to push back. In the example given, the proper form is, it's time for you to pick up these toys and move them somewhere else right now. And by the way, if you give instructions that way, using the fewest words possible, not giving an explanation, simply becoming, simply coming straight to the point. And this is what Jesus meant, in part what he meant by saying to his disciples, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And by the way, he was sharing with them a fundamental leadership principle. Say what you mean, mean what you say, and back it up. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Use the fewest words possible. That is the way that you convey authority properly to any group of people. That's the way a general conveys authority. That's the way a CEO conveys authority. And that's the way a parent needs to convey authority. And so instead of, honey, a friend of mine is coming over and I'd like to serve coffee in this room, I need you to pick up these toys and move them somewhere else. Will you do that for mommy, okay? The proper form is, I want you to pick up these toys and move them somewhere else right now. And if you communicate that way when you're communicating instructions to a child, that forces the question, why? To which the proper answer is, all together now, hint, it's the title of the program. So all together now, one, two, three, go. Because... I said so, which as I have said many, many times before, is simply an affirmation of the legitimacy of your authority over your child. Your authority can be no more legitimate because God himself assigned you authority over said child. You are actually, folks, in the raising of a child, acting as God's proxy. And you are, and don't misunderstand me here, but I'm going to use a uh, new age term that will communicate well to most people, whether new age or not. Your job is to channel God's authority in your life to your child. And in so doing, you demonstrate through how you present yourself to your child the legitimacy of your authority. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then, as in the above example, the big biggest mistake made by some parents is attaching okay. It's actually okay to the end of what they think are instructions. This quickly becomes a bad habit. I once uh, had a parent count the number of times she uh, did that. She attached okay 
at the end of what she thought were instructions. Count how many times in a given day she did that. And she reported to me that even though she was counting, even though she was trying hard not to use that suffix, if you will, that on the day she counted, and she was using a clicker, a little mechanical counter, she counted 50 times, 50 times. Okay is not an instruction. It is a namby-pamby request, a petition made to the resident prince or princess of petulance. It deserves to be ignored, which is what usually happens. Folks, the program is called Because I Said So. I'm on American Family Radio every Saturday, reliably at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, 5 Central, and so on and so forth. Glad you could join us. Hope you can do so again next week. God bless you all. Take care.